Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. God of heaven, we're thankful. What a privilege we have together again to open your word again. What a privilege, what an honor, what a blessing, what an opportunity that's afforded us. We pray that you would help us tonight, bless and anoint tonight the service, open our understanding to your word tonight, God. May we leave here blessed, encouraged, and challenged. We thank you for your blessings in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In our series of studies, we rejoice to know that you and I are privileged to be involved and included in God's plan to be a recipient of the greatest gift that's ever been offered to humanity. That's the gift of God's Spirit. We were aliens, we were foreigners, we were outcasts, we were dogs, we were nothing. But now I'm a child of the king because of, because of the Lord. The very spirit of God, the very spirit from the word of God cries out to every one of us and invites us to experience the fullness of God's blessings. Calvary, it was not an afterthought of God. Calvary was not an inconsistent, it was not just a happening that took place. Calvary was not an afterthought, no way. It was God's divine plan from the beginning. And Calvary, it was for me, it was for you, it was for us. Calvary was the place where the price was paid that you and I could have access and entrance into the church. The church was not a plan that God just fell back on when the Jews rejected him as Messiah. No, church had been in his plan from the very beginning. According to Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, that it was God's eternal purpose to bring together Jew and Gentile into one family of relationship. The church was in the mind and the will of God before he ever hung the first star in its place. He went to the extreme so that you and I could possess his spirit and be born into his church. <laughs> Calvary was not a pleasure, if you will. The life on that cross was not an accident. And the price tag which needs to be placed upon the church, if we would attempt to place a price tag, is too great for us to place one. It matters not whether we're black or white or red or yellow or in between. It doesn't matter the nationality, the ethnic background, whatever it may be. The invitation is open to one and all. And that is, I know that's something that we fully, I don't think can fully grasp. Uh, but if we were there at Calvary or if we were there at Pentecost, or if maybe more accurately or appropriately, we were there a few years later when Peter visited the house of the Cornelius. We would be able to more, uh, more understand, greatly understand the significance. We're all one in now, in, in the family of God. 
the invitation to become part of this living, exciting, thriving body of believers is all inclusive, none exclusive. We can all be a child of God. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 11 when he said, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heaven laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And I like the passage in the book of Revelation 22 and 17 that uh, speaks volumes to us where there John wrote, The Spirit and the Bride. The Spirit and the Bride. The Spirit and the Bride. The only access to God is through the church, through the bride. And the Spirit through the bride and the Spirit and the bride both say, Come. And let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, whosoever will, let him take the water of life and take it freely. Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all, we got that word all again, should come to repentance. And then another verse that's so applicable, Paul in 2 Timothy 2 and 4, listen to this, who will, speaking of God, Jesus Christ, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're not saved, you're not in God's will. He will, he will, that's God's will. God's will is everybody be filled with the Spirit, everybody be baptized in his name, it is his will. And if we're not baptized in his name, we're not filled with his will, we have not yet accepted or surrendered or submitted to God's will. God wants us all in the church. He wants us all to go to heaven. Listen again in John. I re, re, we referred to this verse or passage last week. Let's look at it again. John 7, verses 37, 38, and 39, where the Bible says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then John described or explained, This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But short, shortly after Jesus made this statement in this great feast day, he did go to Calvary. He did hang there. He did give up his life. They didn't take it from him. He gave up his life. And then some 50 days later, he received or he re returned, if you will, in spirit form, sent his spirit to indwell in our hearts, and the church was born in Acts chapter 2. God wants us to be a part of his body. He wants you to be a part of his body. God's want, God wants to fill our heart with his spirit. He wants to be our guide through life in this tumultuous time. God wants us. He wants you and you and you and all of us. He wants us to have his, our name in his book, the book of life. Amen. And, and, and to think my name could be written down with Paul and Peter and James and John and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Daniel. Amen. 
What celebrities? I don't, I better not mention that. But anyway, prior to our Lord's crucifixion and the ultimate ascension of the Lord, he made this statement in the book of John 14 and verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. But then said, then what he says. <laughs> what? Isn't the Holy Spirit the third person in the Godhead? <clears throat> no. <laughs> I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, paraphrased, if you will, or looking at this a statement, uh, I, when he says, I will come to you, I will not leave you comfortless, we could say it like this, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you homeless. I will not leave you an outcast. But he would come and include us in his plan, adopt us, if you will. Jesus, just as just what is the comforter that he was speaking about when he said in John chapter 4, there in the same chapter, in verse 16, where he said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Notice now, whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But he said to those apostles, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be where? In you. Amen. Jesus was there physically, but he said, I'm going to leave. But one of these days, I'm going to come back. But the next time, it's not in physical uh, position, if you will, but rather in spirit. I will come and dwell in you. So for some three plus years or thereabout, Jesus was their comforter. He was their guide. The Greek word, however you're supposed to pronounce it, parakletos, para, parakletos. That sounds good, I guess. Uh, is the Greek word that is used here that's translated uh, comforter, which one of the one of the definitions is one call, call alongside to help is one of the definitions or interpretations. It also means intercessor. It means advocate. It means counselor. But I like that phrase, that one called alongside to help. I think that maybe is more uh, appropriate because Jesus said, I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He had comforted them. He had been their comfort for three plus years. But he said, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you. Forever, I'm coming back so I can walk along beside you. But even more significant and important, he's not just walking along beside us. He's walking in us, isn't he? He's our guide dwelling in our heart. Now, we are not privileged to have the Lord walking with us today physically, but we can know his dwelling, indwelling, ever-abiding presence in our heart and our life. And he'll still be our comforter today dwelling on the throne of our heart if we give our life to him and surrender to the wooings of his spirit. Paul said, in the, said it this way in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who would not want the very divine presence of the Lord with us? 
dwelling in us, directing us. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of the resurrected Christ. It is his spirit that dwells in the born-again individual child of God. Again, Matthew 11 and 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And this invitation which the Lord extended in this statement, it continues to echo, if you will, down through the years, the centuries, when it was first made known in that day. We're still hearing that voice if we have ears. Come unto me, come unto me, come unto me. Speaking prophetically, Isaiah the prophet spoke like this in chapter 28 of Isaiah, verses 11 and 12, with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest this is the refreshing but then Isaiah said yet they wouldn't hear yet they wouldn't hear and when Jesus spoke these words come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden the vast majority wouldn't hear then either when he died on Calvary the vast majority were mocking him at the base of that, the foot of that cross. If you're God, if you're who you claim you were, why don't you come down and save yourself? That, well, by the fact he was hanging there, was proving what he was and who he was. Because if he had come down, he who said, put up your sword, Peter, I have authority to call more than 12 legions of angels to come to my assistance right now, but this is the reason I'm here. This is the reason I have come to this uh, to this point. Life in itself and all the things that we've got to go through and some of us, we, we go through more and some of us go through less and all of us fuss about what we do go through. But life, life is wearisome, isn't it? Troubles of this world beset us on every side, weighing us down with heavy burdens that are difficult and different to, and, and just wearisome to bear. This, but there is a rest that we can have even when we're bearing a burden. Amen. Even when we're going through that valley of the shadow of death, there is peace that we can have. Yes, sir. Amen. And we can draw waters from the wells of salvation yes. because he has provided it. Thank yes. God. The Lord wants us to obtain the rest which only he can give through our being filled with his spirit. God wants us to be filled with his spirit. God wants us to be filled with his spirit. I would somehow, some way that we could convey this reality to all of Medora and beyond. I wish all of our neighbors and friends and relatives and whatever could fully realize them and grasp the significance of what you and I possess. I would that somehow we could be anointed enough or motivated enough, whatever it is that we could somehow convey to others, there's a different life you can have. Amen. You don't have to go through the formalities of religion. You don't have to burn candles or wiggle a prayer bead. You don't have to bow before an idol that can't hear nor talk to you or answer your needs. There is one who does love and there is one that you can feel and will feel and he will feel and he will hear your prayers and your cries and your your problems. He will be able to take you through all of those difficult moments. The Lord wants us to have this peace, as he said in John, what is it, 14 as well. 
peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, so give I unto you. Let you not heart be not troubled. Now, when Paul was speaking to the Corinthians, he borrowed, as it were, or referred to what Isaiah said. And Paul in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14 and 21 said, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. Isaiah was what said that, and Paul was quoting that. So Paul was saying, What you're hearing and what you're witnessing in Corinth and other places here and since Pentecost is what Isaiah had been talking about. It's kind of like what Peter said on the day of Pentecost when he said, this is that. That was prophesied by the prophet Joel. It's happening. It's happening. And when you and I can open our Bible and go back to the book of Acts chapter 2 and read there when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there set upon them a fire, cloven tongues like as a fire. They all were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's reading history, but history is being repeated. It can be repeated in Medora, Indiana. The same thing, the same spirit, the same glory, the same anointing is fresh and real. John said in chapter 10 and verse 10, John here is speaking, Jesus is speaking. In this chapter he's saying, I'm the good shepherd. He that entereth by uh, climbeth up some other way to try to get into the sheepfold as a thief and a robber, and you're not going to get in. I am the door. If you'll come through me, you'll be all right. And the Lord said there in verse 10, The thief cometh, and the thief is Satan. The thief cometh but for to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I don't understand in one way, and I guess in another way I do understand. I don't understand people addicted to drugs and dope and alcohol and tobacco. I don't understand that in one sense. In another sense, I do. Uh, I understand it because it's Satan. It's the tool of the enemy. The, the, the uh, fruit of this world is tasteful. If you don't believe it, ask Eve. It tastes good. It looks good. It's attractive. Did you ever, of course they don't do it anymore, but did you ever see a commercial for what? Uh, Lucky Strike. Do they still do Lucky Strikes? How would you know? Uh, <laughs> did you ever see a commercial of some cigarette that was showing somebody with yellowed fingers and yellowed teeth? And if you could see an x-ray of their lungs, it's all red and yucky and dead. No, you never saw it. It, it was always a, some beautiful, adorable-looking creature, be it a man or woman. But anyway, that's, that's the commercial. That's the advert. That's what the devil, that's why he said to the woman, look at this fruit. It looks good. Take a bite. Go ahead and take. Ooh, don't do that. Take a bite. It tastes good. That's the devil. That's the devil. Jesus comes. The message from the Word of God is frank. It's plain. And it's glorious. Sin is horrible. Hell is real. The fire is real. The torment is real. If you don't believe it, listen to the rich man 
who suffered in that place. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. The devil came to kill. I've come to give you life. The devil came to destroy. I've come to lift you up and make you whole and give you life. The Lord offers this abundant life again to one and to all to bring life to those who, as Paul put it in Ephesians 2 and 1, who are dead in trespasses and sin. You know, those that are kicking up their heels and sowing their wild oats and dancing on the dance floors and spinning on the stools of the, before the bar and saying as they gulp another old granddad or whatever it's called, or bud, uh, they, you know, we're really living. No, you're not. You're dying. Amen. You're dying. Those that are really living are sitting here tonight. Those that are really living are enjoying the blessings of the Lord. Those that are really living have been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. We know what life is. Amen. Amen. Listen, when we are filled with God's Spirit, here's, here's, how, here's how the Apostle Peter put it in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. Notice what he said, chapter 1, verse God wants you. Whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing. That's the key. Yet believing, you have joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Paul used that word unspeakable as well. It's interesting. Peter, the man who had the keys of the kingdom, referred to the infilling of the Holy Ghost as an unspeakable. It's joy. That's, how do you describe it? How do you describe it? And Paul, it was that said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. I know we can rejoice and shout and say the Holy Ghost is good, but how do you really convey it? How do you really convince somebody? How do you really describe it? How do you really do it to where they would uh, be convinced or understand? Now, when we're all filled with the Holy Ghost, life takes on a new as well as a clearer and more meaningful uh, lifestyle or uh, meaning. Our vision becomes clearer. Our future becomes secure. No more stumbling down the path of life, wandering aimlessly without any clear direction for the future that God gives meaning to life. I know where I am. I know what I am. I know where I'm going. My path is secure. My steps maybe stumble once in a while, but I'll get up. If I fall down seven times, I'll get up again. Because I'm in this for the keeps. I'm in this for the duration. I'm in this for eternity. I didn't start to just go a while and turn around. There's nothing to turn around for. Amen. Every time I get in another church service and feel the blessings of the Lord, it encourages and challenges and motivates. Let's run on anyhow. Run on anyhow. When we were in the world, the world with its temptations and snares, and those of us who, I hesitate to say, who were, who were held by some filthy habit of some sort that got a hold of us and we maybe tried to turn it loose and couldn't do it. But then when we found the Lord, when we got baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ and filled with God's Holy Spirit, I, 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 to be transparent, the night I went to that storefront mission I had a pack of cigarettes with me. I tried to give them up more than once without success. And that night I took them out of my shirt pocket and put them in my pants pocket.
because I didn't want anybody to see them. That's how proud I was that I had a pack in my pocket. But that night, when I made my way to the altar, and sometime later, an hour and a half or so later, I come to myself or wherever, and then I went to my room. I reached into that pocket, and I pulled out that pack and crumbled it up and threw it in the gutter. I don't know what happened to it after that. I don't care. But I've been, I've been, I've been singing a different tune ever since then. I've been feeling a different spirit ever since then. Have I been tempted to go back to it? No way, Jose. Amen. When you're set free, you're what? You're free. Mm, uh huh. When you're free, whom the Spirit has set free is <laughs> free for a while. No, you're free indeed. 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 Amen. Amen. I, I, I've heard this story. I've told it before, but let me tell it again in case you forgot. I remember the story was told many years ago about some fella that had a bottle problem, and it wasn't Pepsi. He had a bottom problem, but he had also a problem that he would get under conviction during revival and he'd throw his bottle out the window and, you know, he was going to quit. But they said that there's a big, nice plump of grass outside that window and he always knew where to throw it because sometime after the revival, he was going to go find that bottle again. He didn't want to burst it and lose it. No, let's get rid of it. I've gotten rid of it. I don't have those habits. I don't have those feelings. I don't have those attractions. My attraction is to church. My attraction is to worship God. My attraction is to hear the word of God. My attraction is to feel the presence of God. Hallelujah. To rejoice in the Holy Ghost. God wants us, all of us, to have that spirit, to have that feeling. Amen. I'm not looking back. I'm looking ahead. Amen. I think... Probably the saddest sight, if we can describe it as such, the saddest sight to experience, and we don't want to, but would be to stand before the judge of judges on that great day, that white throne day of judgment. And for our name, remember how it's worded there in the book of Revelation 20? John said he saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, chapter in verse 12 and the books were opened and another book was opened which was the book of life and then he said the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books mm. and then the last verse of that chapter 20 verse 15 is the one that hits us right between the eyes whosoever whosoever now, we've read that word, whosoever, before, but it's in whosoever of an invitation. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. But in this one, it says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. My, my. I don't want to stand there on that day in that condition. As we said, we'll reiterate heaven is real. But hell is real. God has granted us a lifetime here. I get kind of disappointed and whatever. When I, when I hear of people or see people or whatever, that maybe a loved one has died and they get all frustrated and upset. And 
I guess I can understand in some degree about why God didn't have mercy. God didn't have mercy. If, you die, if they died when they were 16 years old, they had 16 years to get right with God. Or if they died when they were 45, they had 45 years to get right with God. God's merciful. He's patient. He's kind. Amen. But anyway, God grants us a lifetime to prepare to meet that day of reckoning when we all shall stand before the King of Kings Amen. and give an account and to escape that judgment. Heaven is real. Paul, in speaking of the conditions that we were in prior to our conversion in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, he spoke of how that at that time, you were without Christ. That is, that time before Calvary. That time before the door was opened to the Gentiles. You were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Our loved ones have hope tonight. Our friends, our family, our neighbors have hope tonight. If somehow we could just make them realize it and awake to it. We have hope tonight. So what he is saying that we as Gentiles, we don't really belong here by right. We're here by mercy. We're here by adoption. We're here because of Calvary. We have no right, personal right or whatever, to be a child of God. It's because of Calvary. It's because of his mercies. It's because of his love for us. The prophet Isaiah described our condition prior to when he said in Isaiah 53 and 6 that we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone from his, one to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And again, if we could grasp the significance of that statement, he has laid on him the iniquity, my sins. My sins were nailed to that cross. I didn't deserve it, but he nailed, was nailed to the cross, all like sheep gone astray. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 6. Again, a tremendous passage that you've heard Pastor refer to, but let me refer to it tonight in chapter 6 of Corinthians, verses 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. We can find ourselves somewhere in this list if we look a little bit. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor drunk, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. This idea that the door is open for whosoever will, it is, but whosoever is not going to go through. The requirements have got to be met. As Jesus said, that the way to heaven, the way to the kingdom is narrow, and the gate is straight, and few there be that find it. There's got to be a hunger on our part, a desire on our part. Amen? But then Paul went on to say, such were some of you, Medorians. Such were some of you. Now you've been washed in the name of Jesus Christ. Now you are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Thank God. Now, John, first, uh, 
St. John 3.16 is that beautiful verse that said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But how many, how many can us, can, of us can we quote the next verse? Because I know John 3.16 is always the one that stands out and always the one that's amplified. But the next verse is vitally important as well because it says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him. <laughs> Woo! That's why he came. That's why there was a Calvary. That's why he shed his blood. That's why he gave his life. That I could be saved. That you could be saved. That we could have his spirit. My, my. God loves us. Listen to Romans 5, 6 through 8. For when we were yet strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely... For a righteous man, one will die. Will one die? Yet, peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, my, my, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As the song that Brother Johnson sung, his hand reached farther down than I could reach up. I don't deserve to be here, but I'm here by his mercies. Paul said in, I like this, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, Lord, if somehow we could go through that process and understand the significance of what our Lord suffered for us. He made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. This is, the, this is the amazing grace that was offered for all mankind. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was made to be man's sin offering so that man could be reconciled to a loving, eternal God. The Bible says, Paul said, made him to be sin." We could as well paraphrase that, made him to be a sin offering. But it was not like in the Old Testament on the Day of Atonement when the priest would lay his hands on that, that, that goat that was be sacrificed and whose blood would be shed and sprinkled on the mercy seat. They'd have to come back next year and do it again. The blood that stained the old rugged cross is still powerful. It's still sufficient. One drop is all that it needs. One drop was shed for us. Amen. You know, some years ago, I remember hearing that song. You've probably heard it, except you young folks. It's before your time. One, one drop was shed for me. One drop was shed for me. That's about all I know of that song. One drop was shed for me. I got to thinking one time. Mm -hmm. No, each drop of blood bought me a million years. Is that what it says? Teresa, I'm looking at you. You're the singer. You don't know that one. It's not. Oh, it's before your time too. Okay. Uh, each drop of blood bought me a million years. Amen. Some of y'all, sister. I got two of them. Well, take the last one about the million years. Okay. Well, get that other one. Each drop of blood, each drop of blood bought me a million years. 
something like that. Anyway, I, I'm from Missouri. I got to thinking about that. Hmm, each drop of blood bought me a million years. Uh-huh, okay. But I got to think, I don't know for sure. I'm probably misquoting here somewhat, but somewhere I read someplace that there were like 26,135 or 45, something like that, drops of blood in the human body. And I thought, oh, my goodness. When you take 26,135 or 45, whatever it is, and, and, and each one of them be a million years, that would run out after a while. Eventually, it might be 40, 11, 25 billion, zillion years from now. But where I'm going, there'll be no end to it. The blood that he shed for me is for all eternity. Not for a zillion years, forever and ever. <laughs> Woo! Amen. That's the way John put it when he spoke about forever and ever. Not just forever. Amen. I preached one time in a little place in Rockbridge, Illinois, many moons ago. And, and there was a little feller, one of these fellers that knows it all. He approached me one day after church and he said, Preacher, forever doesn't mean forever and ever. It doesn't mean eternity. Because Jonah in the belly of the whale said he was in hell forever. And I thought, whoa. My goodness. So forever just means it could be three days and three nights. Okay, okay. But then that verse there, that passage there in Revelations and other places, but that place says it's going to be forever and ever. And the Greek is ages, rolling on ages, on ages and on ages. And oh, my, my, my. Mm, you know, you're never going to get tired and you're going to be there because of the Spirit. You're going to be there because you've been baptized in His name. You're going to be there because of Calvary. You're going to be there because you've received the Holy Ghost. You're going to be there because God loves us. Hallelujah. Made to be seen for us and made, made the righteousness. Made the righteousness. We're not righteous because of what we do. I didn't become righteous because I threw those nasty sticks away. No, I didn't become righteous. I was made to be righteous by his shed blood, by his spirit when he entered into my life. He took care of my sin problem so that I could share with him his righteousness, as Paul put it in Romans 3. We who are unrighteous, we're unrighteous, there's no way whatsoever that we could become made right in our own actions, by our own activities, by whatever we might do. No, he makes us righteous. He makes us righteous. Let, 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 let me hear it enough. Oh, my. In 2 Peter 3 and 9, Peter says, The Lord's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And again, refer to, second, to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 4. Paul said, who will have all men? Who will have all men? To be, that's, Paul, that's God's will. There is no such thing as personal predestination. I don't care what Mr. Calvin said. There is no such thing as personal predestination. We're not born to go to hell. We're not born to go to heaven. We're born to make up our mind. We're born to make a choice. He has paid the price, but we have got to accept his price. Amen. He will speak to our heart, but we've got to listen. He will give us the command, but we've got to obey it. God wants us to be saved. God wants to live, to dwell within our heart. 
Calvary, again, was not an accident. Calvary was not stumbled upon accidentally. But Jesus, during his ministry on this earth, did so purposely. Calvary was the destination of his ministry. When he walked down into muddy Jordan at the age of 30 to begin his public ministry, his destiny was Calvary. His destiny was Calvary. He knew that Calvary was waiting just three plus years from that moment, three plus years from that day when he was baptized. He did not seek to avoid it. He did pray, let this cup pass from me, but then he said, your will be done. That's why I have come. That's why I have come. And in this, we witness the tremendous love that God has for his church. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to experience the new birth. He wants to fill our life with his spirit and to be born again. Thank God for his promises. Thank God for his word. Thank God for the hope that he has given to us. Now, John in John 8, 33. No, let me skip that verse. Let me go on because I'm running out of time. This says 422, uh, 14, I mean, the death of the Lord opened the door for us, a new door. His death closed the law, as it were, and opened the door to the church. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill the law. We don't have to bring a goat. We bring ourselves. We don't have to ask a priest uh, to offer sacrifices for us to come before us. No, we come ourselves. Again, Paul says he would have all men to be saved. Now, the who, who will have all men? The who is Jesus Christ. All men is me and you. Saved is referring to deliverance, setting the captive free from Satan, and from eternal hell. The Lord will not force us to obey his word, but he offers us the opportunity to do so. He suffered that we could have life and that we could have it more abundantly. Let me hurriedly just refer because, because that's my last page and I got them written down, so I need to say it. Matthew 27, 26, Then released he Barabbas unto them. When he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. I'm referring to these verses in closing because to try to emphasize the price that my Jesus paid so I could be saved. Mr. Edwards, a noted commentator, made this statement concerning the Lord being scourged, as Pilate said he would do. As the Roman soldiers repeatedly struck the victims back with full force, the iron balls would cause deep contusions, the leather thongs and sheep bones would cut into the skin and cause and subcutaneous tissues. Then as the flogging continued, the lacerations would tear into the underlying skeletal muscles and produce quivering ribbons of bleeding flesh. Pain and blood loss generally set the stage for circulatory uh, shock. The extent of blood loss may have well uh, may well have determined how long the victim would survive on the cross. Speaking and describing, if you will, some of the effects or what some of the actions that were taken when the Lord was scourged for us, for us, for our life. He paid a price. He hath borne our griefs, Isaiah wrote, chapter 53, 4, 5. Carried our sorrows, 
yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for my transgressions. Our trans he was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. Peter said, 1 Peter 2, 24, who his own self bear our sins, bear our sins, oh God, bear our sins on his, on his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. John, 1 John 3, 1, listen to this. 1 John 3, 1, behold, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And one more scripture, please, will you stand? One more scripture, please, that to me is an awesome as well scripture. The writer of Hebrews, be it Paul or whoever, the writer of Hebrews 12 and 2, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author, <laughs> praise God and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him, how could anyone hush? How could anyone look at a cross and have joy? How can anyone look at such a cruel instrument of death and have joy? The reason he did is because he saw this young lady baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And these young ladies, Brother Daniel, the Lord saw you. That's why he went to Calvary. Sister Katie, that's why he went to Calvary. Brother Timothy, that's why he went to Calvary. He saw you. Said, there's a young man by the name of Timothy Gothra that I want to fill with my spirit. He's going to be preaching my gospel. That's why I'm going to Calvary. That's why I'm going to Calvary. God, thank you for going to Calvary. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You said I could call more than 12 angels down, but you didn't. You said I could avoid that, but I can't because there's somebody in my door that's depending on me to die, to shed my blood so they could have life and have it more abundantly. God wants us to be filled with his spirit tonight. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com Saturday